Hey there, boss. This is Jeff Mendelson, host of the One Big Tip podcast. And I am so excited to announce my new Agents of Pod coaching program, where I teach you how to fast track your lead gen by having more conversations with your targeted clients, even if you have no list, audience, or paid ads. Head on over to agentsofpod.com slash hero, and let me show you how to be the superhero in your own business. I am also actively seeking guests for this podcast. If you know someone who is currently six figures or more in their business and they have an actionable, tangible, and measurable tip to share, please let them know about it. Just go to onebigtip.com slash guest for information on how to be a guest. I can't wait to hear from you. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Jeff Mendelson, and this is the One Big Tip Podcast. My guest today is Jeffrey Katz, founder and CEO of Quarter Muffin, a Facebook and social media advertising agency for e-commerce brands. Jeffrey is an entrepreneur and social media consultant that specializes in the not-so-sexy side of social media marketing. Many businesses use social media platforms to attract, interact, and nurture leads, Jeffrey has created a framework that helps small to medium-sized businesses increase ROAS or return on ad spend and boost quarterly purchases by over 36%. So this is going to be a great conversation, not only on the psychology of social ads, but also on the scientific numbers of them. Jeffrey, thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so this is going to be a lot of fun. So tell me a little bit about who you are, uh, how you got to this place, you know, where you're running an agency, you're telling me that, that you have a number of team members already, and you are squarely focused on the social ad side of the business. Tell me who you are and what makes you so amazing. Yeah. So I've always seen myself as a very scrappy entrepreneur. I got my start freelancing for a number of fortune 500 companies. I did work with JP Morgan, Capital One, Procter and Gamble, and I largely did a lot of enterprise software such as social listening. Um, I did um, uh, what's called social media management software, SMMS integrations and, and setup. And then in recent years, I got into paid ads, actually kind of as more of um, a long-term solution to what I saw as short-term gains using um, automation tools to grow followings and, and, and um, sell products. So um, I got really excited and passionate about that. And then um, eventually got to the point where I started scaling up my business and um, I started hiring a few employees. So Today, we have seven of us, including myself, and we manage approximately 30 clients. What is it about the social ads that got you more excited? Was it just the more definitiveness of being able to apply a dollar and get a dollar twenty result out of it? Or was there something else that attracted you to that side of the business as opposed to the creative side, which is all about putting up sexy pictures or great content and captions and likes and follows and things like that? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. Um, I started off my career in New York as a social media analyst. And the question that people were always wrestling with was, you know, can you make money using Facebook and Instagram ads? I guess at the time it wasn't really Instagram, but it was a really uh, puzzling question because there were such elementary tools out there um, on these platforms that would, you know, maybe increase your reach or visibility. But there was never uh, a clear picture of for every dollar you put in, how many dollars can you get out? And that kind of got me thinking, you know, how, how else can you do this? And when I started thinking about, you know, what opportunities there are, um, I realized that a lot of social media platforms were limiting your reach through organic content. 
And when I saw that happening, I realized that it was all going in the direction of paid. And I think if you fast forward to today, most social platforms like LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, they will only give you about you know five or six percent um, of your total audience when you put out content. And if you want to reach all of your audience, you obviously have to pay to play. So does that work the same with uh, with most of the channels, like with uh, you know newcomers like TikTok or how uh, LinkedIn is trying to muscle into the game? Uh, do those same parameters also work for them as they do for, you know for Facebook and Google? Yeah, so it's a really interesting question. So for newcomers like TikTok, um, your cost per impression are going to be significantly cheaper. And the trade-off really is that, um, and this is kind of maybe a criticism amongst marketers, is that uh, platforms like TikTok, they don't convert as well into sales. So if you have a product that's very, um, it doesn't require much education or is very consumable, you know, you're selling a t-shirt or a pair of sneakers, you just, you know, you love the aesthetic or design, you want to buy it. That's the type of product that does very well on a, a platform like TikTok. If it requires a little bit more education, you know, in marketing terms, a longer funnel, then what ends up happening is it becomes less effective on TikTok and it requires more budget for a full funnel uh, on a platform that would do well in the direction of Google, Facebook, uh, maybe even a LinkedIn also. The problem with platforms like LinkedIn, though, is you have the opposite from TikTok, which is your cost per impression is going to be significantly more expensive. And that's largely because a platform like LinkedIn doesn't rely as much on paid ads to support, to support their business model, right? They have subscriptions, they have you know more uh, recruiters who are paying uh, X dollars to hire people. So they kind of say, say, hey, you know, this is what we offer, take it or leave it. This is what we charge per impression. What's interesting about that, you know, there's a lot of talk about about how influencers fit into this category. I recently sat on a uh, uh, sat on a plane, and the guy next to me told me that he got offered a thousand dollars to to do one TikTok, uh, to do one TikTok video to promote a specific product. And my first inclination is to call BS on that, right? You know, it's like, dude, come on, you know, like, like you know, I'm a little bit older than you you know, just, uh, you know, stop it. And he's like, no, I'm on the level. And then he pulls out his phone and he shows me the email and he shows me the contract. Right. So it's, it, it was literally show me the money. Here it is. Right. And I was looking at it like, okay, why is he going to be paid a thousand dollars to do one post about one thing that probably cost you know, like $10 to do in China. And this particular company is selling for 90 on their website. Right. But what they're doing, you know, they're sort of pivoting this, right? They could just as easily have spent that same thousand dollars, you know, by doing hyper targeted, uh, you know, Facebook ads towards a particular demographic, which is basically what they were trying to do on the TikTok side, right? They, you know, they looked at this guy's TikTok profile and figured he probably owns, you know, part of that demographic that, you know, that we want to talk to. So they felt that that was money well spent, Right. Uh, how do you help companies figure out, you know, like which direction to go with something like that, you know, in terms of, you know, going down the influencer route or just pumping money directly into the platform and seeing what happens? Yeah, so it's not necessarily a one size fits all model. Most brands that I engage with, and I would say most brands overall, probably wouldn't do as well with influencers starting off. And, and just as a side note, they uh, actually prefer to be called creators nowadays. That's like a new thing. Uh, welcome to 2022. Right. And what you would do with uh, that type of um, analysis, you would say, what type of audience does that influencer or creator have? And if you think that they have access to an audience that you can't reach with your paid ads or your organic outreach on you know, your, your social platforms, then that would be a strong direction to take it. Um, but oftentimes what ends up happening is 
it's really just top of funnel advertising where you're just giving awareness through that influencer. And um, it's not necessarily going to be more effective. And what I always tell people is if you're going to do some, some type of influencer campaign or outreach, you want, really want to test it from both sides. You want to start off running paid ads. You also want to do organic, obviously. And you also um, want to see what it looks like just to get you know the smallest, uh, I guess, the MVP, right? The minimal viable product out there through that influencer's campaign. Um, nine times out of 10, I, I have not seen the influencers um, reach outperform paid ads. And that's because um, there's a lot of people out there nowadays that have 50, 60,000 followers. Uh, and, and those followers, it's hard to vet whether or not they're as authentic and genuine and they have um, the purchasing power of you know, a warmer audience, would, which would be your traffic on your website in the past you know, 24 hours or seven days. Interesting. So how do you help people start that conversation of when to advertise on social channels as opposed to more traditional, you know, methods? So the way uh, the way I explain it, for example, is on the Google side, you are advertising the people right at their moment of when they want that particular product or service. The, uh, Google calls it the ZMOT or zero moment of truth, right? No one is going to type in dog grooming for their, you know, for funsies, right? They're going to type it in because they need a dog groomer at this particular time in the central Philadelphia area. And, you know, like, and they're going to get it right. Which is entirely different than doing it on a a demographic or affinity based model, which is what Facebook uh, is, you know, is under where you're targeting people who are more likely to be, to be warmed up to your audience. How do those conversations start when you're pitching to brands and helping them understand what are the differences between the two and how they can utilize those platforms a lot better. Yeah. So, you know, a platform like Google or um, Amazon, they're intent-based search, right? You start off saying, you know, I need a pair of scissors. And then you start off, you know, running uh, search queries on Amazon for, you know, 99 cent scissors that can get to me in two days. It's really a different type of offering in a sense compared to um, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, which are discovery based, right? It's like, oh, I didn't know I needed, you know, that that ring or wristwatch and boom, there it is in your face. And it's complemented by a creative message through video um, or a story in some cases. And, you know, sometimes it overlaps in terms of where you want to place your ad dollars. But oftentimes um, those are completely different types of outreach or marketing that may really be more fitting for one brand or another. And the example that I talk about with my clients is, you know, if you're a locksmith, you're not going to do very well on Facebook and Instagram. And the reason why is because most people don't want to discover that they had a locksmith local to their, you know, storefront in downtown. What they're really looking for is a locksmith when they get locked out of their apartment and they want it right now. So a brand like a locksmith, they're going to do very well on Google. Brands that's selling apparel or something that's more visually stimulating that works well you know, through uh, constant updates and retargeting, that would do much better through Facebook and Instagram. You know, one of the things that I find is, um, and I don't know why I'm a magnet for this, right? Is that I get people who call me up and it's like, hey, I want to advertise on Facebook. What's the minimum amount I can advertise on? Right. And it's gotten to the point now, at least for me, you know, and I say this totally in a friendly way, but I'm going to unfilter it here. If you have to ask what's the minimum, you are definitely not you should definitely not do it, right? Just stay away, save your money, you know, please go hustle and do something else, right? What happens is that, you know, these platforms are designed to 
uh, you know, they have different intents in mind, you know, even when you're setting up a, you know, in Facebook, a, you know, a new campaign, it asks you, what's the intent? Do you just want brand recognition? Do you want to optimize for clicks? Do you want to optimize for views? Like, you know, what are you after? You know, so that we, the platform can serve you a lot better. Talk to me a little bit about how you guide your clients through that process and understanding, you know, like all the different modalities that, uh, you know, let's just take Facebook, for example, what Facebook has to offer and how you can get the most out of that platform. Yeah, that's, that's a, a great question. So whenever I look at brands that are saying, hey, you know, we'll start off with $500 a month and if it goes well, we'll keep going. That's definitely the wrong mentality. You want to think of it as a marathon and not, you know, a race. And when I look at, you know, what type of roadmaps, you know, I'm thinking three, six and 12 month stretches, because what ends up happening is if you're new to the platform, you have to obviously build out your creative. So your videos, any sort of types of photos or copy, um, and you have to create a matrix of your creative followed by um, your audiences. Your audiences would be ranked from warmest to coldest. Your warmest would be something such as people on your website in the past few days, people interacting or engaging with your Facebook and Instagram posts, um, you're looking at email subscribers, previous customers. Those are audiences that we're confident will convert from, you know, leads into sales. And then what you do is you kind of mix match those and put it up against um, your creative. But the problem is that oftentimes a percent of that, you know, 99% of the time isn't going to perform well. And what you have to do is you have to cast a wide net and trim. So brands that say, oh, I'm going to do it for 30 days at 500 bucks in ad spend you're going to go nowhere because you might actually have one winning creative and one winning audience, but you only got one sale because the cost per impression just uh, kind of outpaced your spend. You're only to maybe able to reach a couple hundred people when you in fact needed to reach thousands to see that, you know, for every dollar you put in, you got five out. Um, so for brands that are kind of unsure, um, I would say, you know, make sure you have enough saved up where you can lose it all in three or six months and not, you know, worry about, you know, the rest of your marketing spend. You know, uh, when I talk to my clients, I, I generally, you know, ask them for their big number. Right. And then they look at me like, what, what what's my big number? And I'm like, listen, your big number is how much you can spend on marketing for at least the next six months and not break a sweat. Right. If you're going to be sweating every dollar, please don't go with me. And let me give you a piece of advice. Don't go with anyone else either, because you will just waste your money, you know, going down that path. There are lots of people who will take your money, who will entertain the opportunity to spend only $300 a month on, uh, you know, on Facebook and seeing what happens. But, you know, I can tell you from experience, it is not going to help. Yeah. Right. Sorry. I just have one other thing. I'm just jumping on it. What I've noticed also in the past year, Jeff, is that uh, Facebook and Instagram advertising has skyrocketed in terms of its competitiveness and price. So for brands in 2017, 2018 that were coming in with a couple hundred bucks and actually doing well, I think the bench has really changed. And now it's looking like thousands of dollars a month, really just kind of to move the needle. So it's interesting that you say that because a lot of, you know, the analogy that was presented to me is that, you know, like you're, is that if you ask, if you ask Facebook to bring you a general audience, right? Generally they can do that, you know, pretty easily. But as soon as you start narrowing down those parameters, like I only want with this affinity, I only want with this age group, I only want with this demographic location, or I want people that, uh, you know, as soon as you start layering on all of those different things that really narrow, that really narrow it down to even a few hundred people, you're essentially asking Facebook to do a lot of the work for you and to expect them to then give that click to you 
very cheaply is actually kind of ludicrous, right? You know, to think that the, that the platform is there to serve you, it's not necessarily the case. I mean, remember, we are all playing in Facebook's house right? This isn't our house that we created. They created the house. They just invited us in and said, here, have have free coffee, right? And what happens is that, you know, a lot of people lose sight of that, that, you you know, no, this is not a free platform. If this, you know, if it truly was a free platform, there wouldn't be any moderation on it. There wouldn't be any rules around it. And it would, it would, it, it would burn to the ground quicker than, you know, quicker than most. So when you are working with, um, you know, I want to switch gears to larger brands for a minute, right? And how they approach, uh, how they approach uh, social marketing. What would you say are their concerns and what they will be looking for versus smaller ones that may not necessarily be as sophisticated? How does that look like in your world? Yeah, so um, I think there's a number of expectations that change. I think the first um, obvious one to to our team is they expect results immediately, right? For brands that are starting out, you know, we have all these testing um, or the testing of audiences and creative that it can take weeks, you know, six, eight weeks sometimes, especially for small scale spend. For brands that are coming in at you know ten or twenty k in ad spend a month, they want to see ro- results within hours, sometimes even you know, within minutes of when that ad goes live, because that's how impatient they are. And that's kind of the first thing. The second thing is the expectation of our team to engage with them and kind of go over strategies is is a completely different ballpark. What we typically look at is the more advanced types of targeting with audiences um, that go in directions of lookalikes, you know, pooling data sets out of um, different systems. I was working with a customer last year that was using a tool called customer.io. Um, and, and there was just different types of plugins that um, require much more build out behind the scenes when you get this off the ground. Um, increasingly also um, with Facebook advertising specifically, they're moving away from pixel data to server side data through um, their tool called the conversions API. And basically what that means is that, you know, when iOS 14 came out on um, Apple devices, we kind of lost the ability of tracking, you know, I'm making up a number a little bit, you know, 90% of people out there. Uh, because instead of by default being opted into all um, marketing, um, you now are uh, by default mar- uh, opted out. And if you want to opt in, you can, but no one does. So as a result of that, Facebook has had to more or less re-engineer how they capture their data. And that's why they're launching tools like Facebook Shop, um, which um, basically brings all of those purchases closer to Facebook. And as a result, uh, marketers are able to then more accurately target those individuals. So for brands that are bigger, they're starting off with a conversions API set up. They have um, their Facebook and Instagram shops ready to go. And, you know, the, the expectations are just wildly different in all directions. Can you walk us through a win that you were able to take a brand where maybe they were not, maybe not so successful in their social selling uh, efforts, but through some of your techniques and your framework, we're able to help them you know, achieve some of that success. How did that look? Yeah, so um, I was um, working with a brand um, last year called Printfresh, and um, they were maybe doing um, $1,000 a month in ad spend. And they were getting, you know, I would say very good results. And what they were looking to do was scale up um, very quickly. So what we did was we worked on kind of looking at what untapped audiences they had at their disposal. And we saw a couple opportunities that allowed us to move very quickly. We were able to double their ad spend month over month 
think for must have been five months straight. It boosted their online sales um, to a million dollars in those six months. And um, as a result, they are just absolutely crushing it on Facebook and Instagram. So that that's one that, that, that stands out to me on my side. We also work with a number of clients in the gift card space. They have such high um, purchase conversion values in that the price you know people spend on a gift card is huge compared to what we put in an, on the ad side. And we have um, you know ROAS return on ad spend that that goes north of 100x ROAS. And we um, have seen very big numbers in that space increasingly through the pandemic specifically. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. Jeff, can you please let everyone know how they can learn more about your company and how they can reach out to you directly? Yeah. So our website's quartermuffin.com and uh, my email is jeff at quartermuffin. I, uh, we are a relatively small agency, so um, I'm happy to chat with anyone one-on-one um, -on -one, um, and there should be a calendar on there where they can book time with me. Amazing. Amazing stuff. Jeffrey, thank you so much for joining me. It's been my pleasure. I really appreciate you breaking down, you know, some of the mechanics of how this stuff works and, you know, just helping everyone understand a little bit better what is involved with selling on social platforms. So uh, thank you so much for sharing that information. Awesome. It was great being here. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you so much for listening to the One Big Tip podcast. If you're a six to eight figure entrepreneur, business coach, or speaker who would like to be on this show, we need to talk. The audience for this podcast is hungry for experts and professionals who want to share their knowledge with this world. So if you're ready to share your actionable and measurable one big tip, please go to onebigtip.com slash guest and let's get your story out there. I am also crazy excited to announce my new Agents of Pod coaching program. With this program, I show busy entrepreneurs the strategies that I use to have warm conversations with my dream clients, keep my calendar book solid, and consistently have potential clients at the ready, all anxiously waiting to speak with me every single week. Head on over to agentsofpod.com slash hero and let me show you how to be the superhero in your business today. Lastly, I have a huge ask for you. Could you please share this with your audience on social media? The stories and connections that I make on this podcast have helped thousands of people, sometimes in the most profound ways. And you never know if your small action today will be the one that kickstarts your friend, a family member, or even yourself into taking massive action and starting the next multi-million dollar business. It'll be your way of just paying it forward. My name is Jeff Mendelson. You can find me on all the major social channels like LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you so much for listening.